0: Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with busy women who are simplifying their lives, living intentionally, and creating space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tammy Thomas, and this is episode 10. Before I introduce you to this week's guest, I'd like to remind you that the second 360-day retreat takes place on Saturday, the 9th of February, 2019. It's going to be a really nourishing and restorative day, a day that's been designed to hold space for you to slow down and really take care of yourself. There are five tickets left. Head over to my website, www.live360.com for further details and information. Today's guest is Lauren Derritt, formerly founder of This Girl Is Enough currently transitioning to her beautiful and refreshing new venture, That Midlife Life, where Lauren shares insights and information about her journey through midlife and hashtag old. Lauren is so refreshingly honest and fully embracing her wholeness. I'm really enjoying watching her journey. Lauren has a number of services available to support women. She's an author, writer, event organizer, and a mother that doesn't own a tumble dryer. We talk about staying curious and not allowing ourselves to be defined by one chapter. Side note, I had real tech issues during this episode. I apologize profusely, profusely even for the echo in places, but bear with, as this is a potent conversation. Welcome to 360 Conversations. I am absolutely thrilled to introduce Lauren Derritt, a.k.a. at This Girl Is Enough. It is, yeah. is enough, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> it be too much <laughs> sometimes, sometime. <laughs> Tani. We're soon going to find out. Um, and we're going to be talking about, well, you'll have to listen to hear what we're talking about. So, Lauren, please could you tell our lovely listeners, a bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah. Um,
1: Hello, everybody. So I'm Lauren, um, also known as This Girl Is Enough. Um, I'm a mum of four and a step-mum of two. But aside from that, I am a woman's mentor and kind of a campaigner for women to start stepping into their true selves and just unashamedly owning their... their, Can I swear? I have to check. Their shit. Um, (laughs) Owning their shit because I just... I've just, I've just got to, to a the point, life, I've been through a lot, lot of stuff in my life that accumulated into the book, Filter Free, Real Life Stories of Real Life Women, and um, I've, I've just got, got to the, the point, point where I'm like, life's too short, man. We can't fuck about with this time that we've got, because so, you know, every day someone loses this privilege, mm. and I I feel saddened that women are hiding in their shadows for fear of... judgment judgment or you know shame that that they they may feel from experiences experiences of their past so yeah I'm all about opening the door and saying step this
0: way babe absolutely right people this is real life doing real things so um let me explain I don't have a microphone yet I'm going to get one I usually use my headphones and I can't find my headphones for the life of me Um, so the sound quality might be different. And I could just hear a bit of an echo. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> I think it's I'm okay now. if you want to reschedule. No, we're going ahead. We're going, this going is, ahead because oh, you real are a deal. true
1: professional, Tammy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're going ahead. Um, so Lauren, when I was reading about you and when I listened to your listen to read your content, um, you do a lot of stuff and um i was thinking to myself what what is the angle what what are we going to focus on because i'm really trying to make these conversations a little bit more focused mm-hmm. than i was doing previously not mm-hmm. because i don't think that that was good i thoroughly enjoyed those conversations but with each po- podcast i put out I get lots of messages from women really um, about what they have gained from listening to the podcast or what they're thinking about differently. And I was journaling about it. And I just felt very strongly when I was doing that, that if this is somewhere that women are learning stuff or women are able to look at things with a different perspective, um, I want to be a little bit more focused. Um, So I was really trying to think, gosh, where is the focus with um, Lauren? Because you are so multifaceted, um, so multi-hyphenate. And as I was looking at everything, I thought, duh, everything Lauren does comes under the umbrella of filter-free living. Absolutely. So before I go into the... um, four (laughs) topics that I pulled out. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you tell us a bit about what filter-free living means to you and how you came to embrace, especially when a lot of us use digital means such as social media to share and connect with people. Mm -hmm. And I think initially we used it and all the filters it came with mm-hmm. to present a picture of ourselves rather than our true selves. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I don't want to be the um, <clears throat> the fun police and say that those filters aren't fun because they are. I've had my fun with those filters. Um, it's it's on a deeper level than that, than just using a, a filter over on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. It's, it's a deep, you know, if you are, for me, it was um, my story of domestic violence that yeah, I, hid I hid for eight, eight years because... because and when I say hid from eight years, I mean that, you know, only my sister and my friend knew. Um, nobody else around me knew, and I would have defended it till the hill. And when I was carrying that story for so long, the shame corroded me, if that makes sense. The shame from that I was carrying from that story was just suffocating me as a whole person. And I really felt that that I wasn't living into uh, how I should be living I was just surviving and then I went to a well women's conference in London and (laughs) boom I just said the speaker said has anybody got anything they want to share that they've not shared before and I just stood up in a room full of 200 women and literally just said I've fled domestic violence with my three children and I don't even know where that came from So for me, my journey has been really organic and um, I'm following my own lead with this because I'm quite aware that this stuff takes time. You can't get up tomorrow and say, oh my God, I love my body. I love my life. It doesn't work like that. Even though you can read all the memes, you can see all the positive posts on Instagram, it still doesn't work like that. Mm. Everybody will do it in their own pace. But what it brought for me was connection, which I was totally lacking because I was hiding stuff. I was withdrawing from connection from everybody around me. Um, It brought back the connection. It brought back the freedom for me to, you know, to not have to check every word I'm saying or to cover up, you know, evidence or all this stuff, that freedom. And then I put it on Huffington Post and all these women just contacted me, like, that they were living with secrets that were defining who they were. And... I just thought, fuck this, man, like, <clears throat> I did, was it your podcast I heard, Tamu, where it was like, I think it was Lucy Sheridan, was it half the women hold up the sky, 50% of the sky is held up by women, and we don't have the strength to hold that much of the sky up because we're too busy fighting our demons. So for me, filter free is about stepping into your space to help hold up the sky, and That's my new metaphor for life, by the way.
0: So thanks for that. Uh, I'm going going to step in very quickly.
1: Oh, my God, I love you.
0: (laughs) I don't think that that is absolutely wonderful, and I've actually written it down. Um, Unfortunately, I think that that may have been been Lucy on another podcast. Oh, God. (laughs)
1: Well, she's bloody brilliant and you had her on your podcast oh my so, goodness
0: you know. absolutely I was thrilled when she said yes and I listened whilst I was editing and I listened again because there were just so many nuggets of wisdom
1: oh she's just just incredible. incredible absolutely for anybody who doesn't follow her she's definitely for this kind of work that you'll be doing comparison she's the comparison coach and absolutely she she feeds my soul daily over yeah. on the socials but yeah regardless of whose podcast it was it you <laughs> yeah. know. Anyway, I just think the quote is bloody gorgeous yeah. and it really signifies the importance of women stepping up and allowing themselves to be part of this world. Yeah. You know, yeah. and dropping those filters is really, really hard and can be really, really painful. But I can tell you the view on the other side is worth every single bit Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. So... You have said so much in that um, synopsis as to what filter-free is like or what filter-free means to you. I want to delve in a bit more about the um, domestic abuse because Mm -hmm. that seems to have been the catalyst into you thinking actually – this shit ain't working, something's Mm. got to give and it is not going to be me. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to know, how did you go from being a woman in a cycle of abuse, a really intimate cycle of abuse, to being a woman that advocates on the behalf of women and shares information to assist them from ending their abuse cycle? Wow.
1: Um... I really, really struggle with this one in all honesty because that's a lot of responsibility to, to lay on yourself mm-hmm. um, and knowing firsthand that nobody can do it for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: and some people don't want to leave and I didn't for a long time. It's, there's, it's, it sounds bizarre to anyone who hasn't been through domestic abuse but there's a, se- there's a security in it. And I don't know if that if anybody else is going to understand what I'm trying to say, but there's a security in it in that you know every day something is coming,
0: yeah
1: and it becomes your your normal, your your familiar space. The idea of stepping out of that, you kind of forget what the world might be like outside of it. So you just for me, obviously, I can only speak on my my behalf, but mm-hmm. for me. It was was such such a a personal thing thing when I left. I don't don't think think I could have read or seen any one thing that could have convinced me otherwise. I remember stand up and having a stand-up argument with my sister in the street, shouting at her, I'm not a fucking victim, because she was leaning towards I can see what's happening with your relationship and I was defending it to the hilt because if I didn't then I would have to make change yeah and that change can't come until your body and brain gets in sync and decides it's time and you're ready for it yeah so you know I struggle keep putting the message out there because it keeps taking me back. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I've spoken. I'm I'm happily married now. And I often say to my husband, I don't want to keep putting you through this, you know, because he's seeing it. And I have days where I'm like, I don't want to be the champion of this anymore. This isn't my thing. I want to move on in my life, which I do. But I'm torn with, I feel duty bound to say out loud. but this, this is not your life this is an experience this is not your book this is a chapter yeah. and just be the you know the other side of it saying it looks okay from where i'm standing now um but that's that takes its toll and it comes with a a lot of fucking emotion for me as well you know mm-hmm. i have to i have to really protect myself emotionally as well because mm-hmm. you know Yeah, I I can't take it on as a responsibility. So I don't... Some women who go hard and, you know, champion it and campaign about it tirelessly, I absolutely applaud those women because I don't know how they do it. Yeah. I'm not in public where I can't even talk about I want to go and work in in a women's refuge. I feel like I could be doing something on the ground. But something in me saying, no, don't do it. And I think that's just self-preservation.
0: I absolutely, absolutely... hear that and Mm -hmm. I think it's really important for other people to hear because I think sometimes when you speak on something or when it looks like you identify with something people because not everybody has the whether it's confidence or the self-belief or the conviction whatever it is and I say that with no judgment whatsoever because some people Mm -hmm. aren't able to speak on things they then lean on people that have spoken on things and almost make it their job and I was on a podcast um not so long ago where I was talking about my current position is that i'm focused on me thriving and me sharing practical things that assist women to thrive and because Mm. of that i will not take on the job of speaking on being the face of everything to do with blackness for example specifically about um things to do with racial injustice I will speak on it when I feel called to do so, but it's not my job. And if you have realised that it's possible for you to thrive with what you've got and for you to move into a, I don't know, bigger version of thriving by Mm -hmm. continuing with that and building on that, you cannot sustain that if you're constantly fighting a battle. Yes. So I think that we need permission to be able to Mm -hmm. say what we want to say when we feel called to do so but yeah. not become a burden
1: that that's, that's the thing, thing. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, don't want to, want to I, I because of my biggest problem with the domestic violence was how I was viewed and I did not want to be viewed as a victim yeah um, and I did not want that story to define me so yeah. I'm very cautious around my boundaries with this story because I don't want this story to define me mm-hmm. I don't want to be the face of domestic violence yeah. because my life has moved on, and I have fought so many demons around it that I can't keep going back to old scabs for yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm quite happy to talk about it, but it's so interesting what you said because you do. I get so many messages from women still who message me who are currently living with domestic violence and reaching out to me, and I'm absolutely helpless other than to say I understand you and to signpost them, obviously to um, you know women's charities that can help. But I can't take them away from it. I can't make him stop. Yeah. I can't make it better for them. And quite often that's just what they want. They want someone to help or like yeah. to make it better. And that's not my role. So, mm-hmm. you know, whilst I can can listen and can understand, I can't do anything beyond that.
0: Yes. And yeah. that can
1: be really frustrating for me and really, you know, and that's the point when I think I just want to stop talking about it because yeah. I can't fucking fix it. And that, you know, it's hard.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such a tough situation. But, you know, that's why, I mean, this event, i put an event on, on the 9th of November. Thank you for sharing. Um, and this is what I do. I'm putting all the profits to my events to our local women's refuge shelter. Mm-hmm. So I'll help in those ways. I mm-hmm. will help bring them money so that they can use the money to help women. Yeah.
0: Because,
1: because I can't do it all on an emotional level. Yes, so yes. that's me stepping, that's me feeling like I'm doing all that I can.
0: And you know what, Lauren? Advocacy, activism, all that jazz comes in many guises. You Mm -hmm. don't need to be fighting, shouting, pushing against Mm -hmm. all the time. Sometimes just showing up as yourself and creating space for women to also do so, that sometimes is much more effective than you being not ranting that's not the right word but you know than you constantly being in battle yeah
1: do
0: you know what i'm saying absolutely so to not we i'm not i've got a couple more questions around that not not about the actual experience but i really want to know bearing in mind that you just talked about shouting at your sister in the street yeah could you tell us what steps you took to remember your power
1: do you know, do you know what um oh god it'll make me emotional now um it was because the the final blow if you will Mm -hmm. um the abuse never happened what my so my three kids are from my first husband then I remarried this guy um and I had my kids half the week I shared my custody 50 50 with their dad because I believe that children should have access to both parents Mm -hmm. and that was very important to me um so, so the abuse never tended to happen when they were there because I was mumming and he would just go off and do his own thing because he didn't have children. So that didn't tend to happen when they were with me. The final blow came and it was one that actually knocked me out. Um, Jeez, Lauren. And they were asleep in their beds. And for me, it was, you know, that could have killed me and my children were sleeping upstairs. So, oof. Um, yeah that, yeah, that was it. it. That mm-hmm. that was when it, – so it's not – it wasn't a power for me. It was a power for them. It was – I was thinking from a place of their mother, not as me. And I yeah. think as women that fucking changes everything. Yeah. If you're thinking from a place of a mother rather than a woman, um, that was a game changer because all of a sudden I had this massive strength, you know, and the first thing I'd done ironically after what you just said is I text my sister who is a detective in the Met – and I said, uh, is it ever okay for a man to hit a woman? And um, I, I won't tell, tell you what she did. said because uh, it might incriminate her job. <laughs> but um, that was the first time I'd said it out loud, yeah. if you will, on a text. But but it, that power came from the mother, not from me, if that makes sense. Yes.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm. So then you in a room full of 200 complete strangers and then (laughs) online I think it was I I saw you wrote you shared your experience of domestic abuse Mm -hmm. how did you manage the judgment once it was out there and I'm not just talking about the judgment that comes externally I'm also talking about the self-judgment oh my God. god
1: yeah um well, at that point, my biggest concern was my kids and how they would take it, because they still didn't know. He, got a, he worked from home um, the morning after because he had a good job. This is the thing as well, Tamu, that he's got, he had a good job in the city. We had a nice middle-class life. We were very – we were the party people. You know, outwardly, we were everything you'd want to see in a family, and that's the thing that I couldn't so, – so for me, when I tried to find reference to domestic violence – I couldn't find me. So there was no, you know, I always looked for the stereotypes and thinking, well, it can't be domestic violence because I'm not that. I'm not in that situation. That isn't my life. So I couldn't even place it. So I think that was half the problem with trying with trying to um, understand what was going on. So I didn't tell my kids. I, they were protected from it the whole time. And then when it came out at the World Women's Con- Conference, I thought, God, I need to share this story bigger and because of the response. And... I took my kids out one by one for dinner and told them what had happened because, because that morning, sorry, when he got arrested, he I left the house said, oh, I'm just going to take the kids to wherever. I left the house and I went straight, to the, dropped the kids off to my mother-in-law's and went straight to the police station and the wow. police went and arrested him. And I haven't actually spoken to him a day, a word since that day. Wow. And that was about 11 years ago. We've And we, and we lived like in the same town, literally five minutes apart. But I don't, I've never spoken but I had to sit down and speak to the kids before I put the story onto Huffington Post, obviously. Yes. Yes. So at that point my biggest concern was their judgment and their response gave me permission to do it. Their response was well, disbelief, obviously. Because at this point now, Stan was got what was he? 18, 17, 18, Jess must have been about 16. Darcy Darcy was about ten and she was just like I don't believe you (laughs) anyway they were fine and they gave me permission literally and then I I just thought you know what if they're okay with it I don't fucking care what anybody else thinks at this point because I've come come out out of it and um if if you're going to judge me me then shame on you yeah 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 quite frankly crikey
0: just to very quickly pick up something you said just now sorry in my work as a social worker, I worked with so many families impacted by domestic abuse mm-hmm. and those families ranged from upper middle class mm-hmm. living in beautiful detached houses with gardens looking like fields yep. to people that were, you know, part of some subclass. Mm-hmm. They weren't even really accessing quote unquote mainstream sort of services so yep. it knows no bounds
1: and that's that's the message that needs to be out. you know we can talk about domestic violence all day long because it is real it is so real and not just women but men as well but, but the, another, another angle that we really really need to talk about is the class mm. it, it, it does it is you know yeah. and I think I struggled with it so hard because I am known for being a strong independent woman who takes no shit from no one yeah. that's who I was even more so back then, but not as much now. I've softened around the edges. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's why I couldn't identify with what I was going through yeah. because it was just like there's no there's no way that that would have happened to me, not in a million years. Ooh. And our lifestyle, it just didn't resonate, which yeah. is why it's so important that women from different classes, from different personalities, from different cultures, from different backgrounds, stand up and say, yes, me, well, hashtag me too in, yeah. in a sense, Um because we need to see the, the whole spectrum so Absolutely. that it, you can recognize it when it comes. Yeah,
0: I agree 100%. Mm. So, um, how did you, this sounds so um, Oprah Winfrey ish, but how did you open your heart space to be able to receive love after that experience? Because you're married now, it's all good. How did you get your emotional self into the space? Because people people can give you love all day long, mm. but sometimes experiences harden you to being able to receive that. Gosh, yes, yes totally. totally. Um,
1: firstly, I wasn't very open to love, receiving love from anywhere ever in the whole of my life. Right. That has been one of my biggest challenges in life is um, a, a childhood without love. Um So So that's still still an issue now. I still struggle to to receive love love now, if I'm honest, Tamu. But straight after the abuse, when I freed myself, um, I went off the rails monumental. And I received lots of love in lots of different ways, if you get my gist. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of, I've just read Lily Allen's book and I felt like I walked the path with her, the path of self-destruction. I totally went on to self-destruct. And I think I just, Got it all out it, by doing that. Strangely enough, because you can only do that for so long before you think, right? Actually, this is this isn't really getting me anywhere. Yeah. And I took a challey. I took a risk, and I went online dating is mm-hmm. the modern world, and um, I met my husband, my now husband, and I was an absolute asshole to that man probably for the first four years of our relationship. Damn. I don't know how he's still here. <laughs> um, when I met him, I was still. I was still was in a state, a state of um, oh god, god! I don't, I, don't know. Uh, I, I can't even explain. It was such a state. It was yes. just carnage. And he gave me so much space. I can't even tell you that I fell apart even more. I, I PTSD. I was diagnosed with PTSD when we moved in together because he gave me the security and the safety net that mm. that was okay to fall apart at that point and deal with it. And I went straight back into therapy, and I had really intensive hypnotherapy for twelve weeks, every week. Wow! Um, and she'd done all kinds of different hypnotherapies on me, mm-hmm. um, and we went. I went to hell and back. Took my whole head apart and shook it all out and put it all back in. Yes. And my husband was still there, so he—he's he, yeah, earned his right beside me for sure. But it's again, it's such a long and painful process, and often people are too scared to go into that painful space. And I get that hundred percent because it hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah. But there's nowhere else you can go until you've been through that door. Your life will look look like that until you walk through it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. This segues right into the next topic. I'm really sorry, everybody, for this echoing, but I'm not stopping. This is too good. (laughs) Um, The next topic is self-care. Yes. So you you just talked about your experience with therapy. Mm -hmm. um, And for reasons that I am aware of, people resist therapy. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us... What therapy assisted you to do that you wouldn't be able to do yourself?
1: Um, it slowed me down. I think the biggest thing I got from therapy was to just stop. Mm-hmm. My therapist used to say, like, literally, I'd go in and within five minutes, she'd be like, oh, my God, Lauren, I, I just, you've just absolutely thrown me against the wall. Just calm down. Because I always live my life. because I, You know why? Because I was running away from what I was going on in my head. It's just keep moving, just Just keep keep moving, just keep keep moving. And my life was 100 miles per hour constantly, not just in my brain, but physically, I was physically on the go the whole time. Mm -hmm. And she forced me to stop. And in those sessions, I had to stop because I had to stop and sit in a really uncomfortable place. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually what I found was, however painful it was to sit in in that uncomfortable place, it was really nice to just stop. It's absolutely imperative to me now that I stop and I can see it coming. And I'm so in tune now with what my body and my brain are asking of me. And I have such respect for it because it's got me this far um, that every single day I have to stop at some point and take hold. Because otherwise, I run the risk that I'm going to step straight back into that million miles per hour lifestyle, and that is no good for anyone. Mm.
0: Mm. Stopping to notice. So essential. Um, So uh, you also talk about um, personal development. Mm. So how did because you know some people frown upon personal development self-help and all that and I went to this event and there was a psychologist on the panel that I was hosting and I talked about personal development and he referred to it as self-therapy and the ego part of me really (laughs) latched on that because I'm still working through my thing about qualifications and professionals and professionalism and all of that Um, but it did give me a different perspective Um, so could you tell us how your own self-therapy personal development or could you tell us how it currently assists you
1: do you know what I don't have one qualification to my name not from school I, I left school at 14 uh, so I totally get the whole qualification thing um, and that we judge ourselves based on these qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's it, the way I put it to myself because I really struggled with this whole getting in touch with yourself. And when I first started this stuff, it was like, no, that's not me. I'm not yep. picking up bloody self-help. I'm going to help you. You know, I had <laughs> so much resistance to it. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so the word I always use for myself and women that I work with is just get curious mm. like fucking hell if my if I have got myself and I did get myself and I own that all day long if I got myself to this place where I am a hundred percent a different person than I was before um, if I have got myself and my three children through a situation like that then the, the possibilities are fucking endless, yeah. right? Um, I, don't I don't know if you saw my talk i done at Susie's Limitless Live um, event that she put on. Her, her event was about li- living limitlessly.
0: I saw clips of it.
1: Did you see it? Yeah. I used to think that by living limitlessly, you have to have all your ducks in a row. You, yeah. have, to have, you, you have, have to be able to jump, jump out of airplanes and do all this really extravagant stuff. And mm-hmm. you have to have your whole life all sorted out. And when she asked me to do that talk and I started looking at what, God, I don't live limitlessly, why she asked me. What I realized was every challenge that I've ever been through in my life, and Tamu, there have been a lot, um, have never limited me. They've never held me back. What they've
0: done is they've served as
1: evidence to how fucking limitless I am.
0: I was finger snapping when you said that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's become a bit of my, ma- my line that one, I've got people in my um, Facebook members lounge who recite that back to me, That's, they use that line I am fucking limitless yeah. and, and what I always say to people is if you feel like your door is shut, if you feel like this is just your life, if you feel like this is just who you're meant to be get curious mm. because every single challenge that you are sitting with or that you have been through is prompts from somewhere, whoever's running this show, prompts yeah. to say to you, "Look at you! You've survived that. Look at you! You've got that. Look who you're still here." Use it as evidence, rather than using it as um, a stick to beat yourself with. Like I'm so crap because of the, I done this or that and the other. I mean, God, we've all got things from our our past that we might not want to share publicly, like I do. Yeah. But use those things in a positive way, in that. They're there to show you how amazing and strong you are. They're not there to punish you.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: yeah, get curious, man, because if I can do it, and I'm not saying that flippantly like some just cheap throwaway comment, if I can do it, you can do it. I amaze myself with how far I can take myself now. And it's it's become, I say that I've become my own personal hobby because I'm just fascinated with where I can take myself next.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Woo. <laughs> I connect with what you're saying deeply resonates with me because mm-hmm. I think that it is so, 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 so easy for all of us to define our entire selves by moments. And mm-hmm. um, what I have now come to realize for myself is that there is a lesson in everything I need to take my lesson and keep it moving rather than defy like I could for example miss a deadline by two hours let's say mm. which really it doesn't matter but then I would have previously told myself that I'm not shit because I couldn't even get it in at four o'clock I got it in at five thirty-five or whatever and those sorts of things are so Those things that we think we, you know, when we think, oh, we're holding ourselves to high standards, actually we're limiting ourselves and Mm -hmm. we're pushing ourselves in that lukewarm mildew comfort zone. Because what you were saying in the beginning about the domestic abuse, we human beings, we can um, adjust to so much Mm. and we can live in shit for ages and just push it around. And become totally, you know, if you're around it for long enough, it stops smelling. Exactly, it's, it's exactly just, that. Oh I mean, that's gosh. a beautiful metaphor.
1: That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's exactly that. I think we look. Our, our brains are pretty lazy, right? Oh, okay. They don't, they don't even begin to stretch their capacity for mm-hmm. what they can achieve. And it's it's up to us to override that and say, no, 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 we're going to go here and we're going to do this because our brains will just sit in what is comfortable. Fear is a massive driver in people's everyday lives, you know, and what that's doing is it's just chipping another day off your life where you haven't done what you actually want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not coming back. Those days are gone. They're not coming back ever. That's it. You've had your day. So... You know, it's, and it can be such tiny shifts, Tammy. I'm not saying like go out and yeah, step, pick up one of the toughest books. Probably I don't know some Eckhart, Tolhurst, heavy duty self help stuff. Tiny, tiny shifts in your day mm-hmm. that you can use as evidence that your life does not have to look like this. You know, for instance, and the most simplest way of putting it is, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a runner, right? So i fucking run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing that is stopping me from being that runner kind that of I want to be, except for me. I just, I just went on my Instagram stories, that actually, because I've just done a run, done a a run and I showed my body be in, be because in, in, because in my head, a runner had to, a runner looks really fit, and they're really thin, and they're really thin, and that's why I look, because it's sort of, in it fit and health, tell us, and I, I just, just shared my belly on my Instagram stories, and shook it all up, like, this is what a runner looks It looks like me, and me, and I ran. go, i get so, you know if you look at your life think but how would it feel if I was well, that person that ran for 20 minutes we'll take that run and see how it would feel yeah that's how it would feel you, you know, know there's nothing stopping, stopping you yes. but yourself
0: girl <laughs> I was listening to um Susie Ashworth when I spoke to her she recommended this book um I think it's get rich lucky bitch or something like that
1: yeah,
0: read it. Um, at first, I was like, "Oh my god," because the, the title. But I thought, Do you know what? Ha! Huh, be curious mm. um, and stop being so friggin' judgmental. <laughs> yeah. Because that's literally what it was. Yeah. And there was a part in the book where she talked about living like you were wealthy, and mm-hmm. she wasn't talking about going out maxing your credit cards. Well, mm-hmm. my interpretation, and I, I shared this with my friends. So I, I journaled on it and I thought to myself how would I start my day if I was wealthy like Mm. no full stop I was wealthy and um literally just planting and writing so there were a couple of things that I wrote down and things just started to happen um so I thought to myself if I was wealthy I wouldn't rush into the shower I would have time and I'd have a nice shower actually felt myself washing my body, for example. Um, And then I often feel really tired and sluggish and whatever else. So I just thought to myself, instead of doing my normal beating myself up, if you were wealthy and 360 was generating the income that you wanted to and being of service and all those things, what would you be doing? Um, So I started doing more stuff that I feel called to do with regards to the business and it's just really supportive when you think about it in that way rather than this image that we've created of how things should be.
1: Mm, Oh my god totally and I think I think the problem we've got is we're all becoming logical thinkers there's not a lot of daydreaming going on so it can feel quite alien for us to uh, feel those dreams and also the fear of failure this yeah. bastard failure which actually doesn't exist um it's just a man-made prophecy that if you don't do something the way you first thought you would then you failed. no you haven't you just need to tweak it there's no shame in that yeah. game whatsoever yeah. um everything is a lesson like you said earlier absolutely everything so if it failed inverted commas it's because it's telling you to do it another way, yeah. and that other way will probably work. So yes. there's no shame in that. But I think we've lost the, the, we, the fear of failure stops us from daydreaming like that. And I think because we've become such logical, technology minded people, because that's our whole world, right? Is at the push of a button.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've, we're not feeding this creative daydream inside of us. Which holds us back in itself anyway because we are wholehearted people. Have you ever read The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown?
0: No, I haven't, but oh I do God, love a bit of me.
1: That book changed so much for me and it's a really light read. Like I don't I can't read the heavy ones. I can't do it just because I, I've got a very short concentration span, like get to the point. Yeah. And um she that book is a game changer for anybody. Anybody who wants to even dip their toe into getting curious, start there because it's just so easy to read. Um, but she I've always said, oh, I'm not creative, no, I'm not creative. But actually, we're all born that part of us as a whole human being. We do have a creative side, the daydreamer, the childlike, the play. Um, but it's all being dumbed down. And what's happening with us dumbing it down is we are shutting a piece of ourselves off. Mm-hmm. So we're not working at full function. So you she says, you know, you have to find something that sparks that creativity so once you start sparking that creativity in whatever way it can be writing you know I said I'm not creative I'm a fucking author of a book
0: for crying I out
1: I just I had never connected it as creativity so I'd kind of shut that off yeah when you hone in on it and start looking at where you can be creative and you just do your everyday life like doozling or drawing or writing or whatever then you start opening that daydream aside and it starts feeling more comfortable to do so But as far as the, um, what What you you think, think. like like you said, the the get rich rich, lucky bitch, I know how she works and kind of think, live in the world that you want to live in Mm -hmm. now and pretend. I do that that. a lot now. And I think think that that has has opened opened so many doors doors to me because, because, and and I was just speaking at the Fat Funny Ones event 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 at the the weekend, weekend, and she she said it as as well, well, like, if you don't dare to step into those waters or don't dare to get curious or don't dare to go and ask for what you want it's never going to come exactly shit doesn't, doesn't just fall out of the sky on your lap we are exactly. all hustling in the you know for what we want and it starts with a daydream you know so
0: it's so important that I actually schedule time to do it I'm, I'm a natural daydreamer anyway um, but I actually have intentional time twice a week where I daydream and sometimes the daydream is structured and sometimes it's just whatever comes and Mm -hmm. the combination of the daydreaming, the listening to things that nourish me emotionally and reading things that nourish me emotionally have Mm -hmm. such a huge impact on my work. And every time I have said to myself, every time I've done the structured daydreaming, it might not be something big, but something in line with that daydream will happen. Whether mm. it's an order for a dress, whether it's somebody booking on to a um, retreat, whether it's somebody sending me an email or a message about what they've gained from engaging with whatever I'm putting out there always happens oh my god
1: yeah so much ma- me it, too
0: it's it's mad and when I was listening to when I got over myself and was listening to the um get rich lucky bitch audiobook what I have realized is that those things were telling me this is what is possible daydream bigger yeah I
1: think think what what I love about about it is is, because well I've done done a lot of work around money because I hold absolutely no weight on money whatsoever (laughs) so I've got a real problem with trying to earn it because I'm like I almost repelled it because I I fucking hate money yeah so I mean how many people say it's the root of all evil uh but you know if you if you send that message out then there ain't no money coming your way because you hate it and the universe just wants to support you right
0: exactly Um,
1: the way I look at it now uh because you know we can't all do this shit for free for sure And I've had so many times with This Girl Is Enough where I was like, do you know what, I'm spent. I cannot give any more of myself out there. I'm going to shut it all down. I'm going to get a small hold in. I'm going to live that life. And then do you know what, three people will sign up for my members lounge or something and it will, like you were saying, it will be like, no, you stay on this path. You stay on this path. This is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, How I got over the whole money thing was – you know I put I, I strongly believe that it's an energy and, and it's an exchange mm-hmm. and what I put out will come back maybe not monetarily for me because I don't hold any value in money, but if I do this event on November and I give two thousand pounds to the safer places in Chelmsford, I know that not just the feel good that I get back from that, it will also keep me on this right path mm-hmm. where I'm clearly supposed to be yeah and wherever that ends up. But that exchange for me is, I get so much more out of it than money, monetary value. So I think what you put out comes back, but mm-hmm. it might not be in a push. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> you know, it depends yes.
1: what you want back, what, yeah. you,
0: what your gain is. Yeah. And I think it's fine to define whatever that is. If it is a Porsche, that's fine. If it's warm and fuzzy feeling, that's fine. If it means you've got enough money to take yourself to the cafe for a slap up breakfast, that's fine. I think it's really important to define that for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And and I think think that's that's where I struggled when I was doing doing all my money work was because because it was was all like, get all the money, get all the money, get all the the monies. And that wasn't lighting me up. Yeah. And I had to be honest with myself and that was not lighting me up. And in all honesty, I don't think it will ever light me up because mm-hmm. I'm just not, that. it's not my trigger. My yeah. trigger is to see, and it sounds really cliché, but it is to see all my sisters standing up, and fucking stepping in and owning it. That is my buzz. Yeah. And I, that's why i I've done it literally for free for the first two years until I was like, 15 grand in debt and <laughs> thought, Fuck, Lauren! I thought I need to start monetizing this somehow
0: <laughs> yes because EDF energy council tax mortgages and all that all couldn't give a anybody. good goddamn. exactly yes. exactly so
1: although I get all the feel good and you know I'm all about my bringing it for women I also do have to pay my bills so yeah there is an element of having to monetize it but that yes. is not where my feel good comes from
0: okay Oh, man. So, um, you are living this multi-hyphen life. And I talk about, you know, my everyday joy. um, And you are literally the type of woman that I'm speaking to, women who are on the go, who are, you know, whether you want to call it purpose-driven or whatever. How do you So you talked about um, slowing down and taking time every day, making sure you're you're doing your bits and bobs. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of people who live a life that might be similar to yours, not doing the same thing, but really busy, who say, oh, I haven't got time. I'm so busy, 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 busy. How do you create space to cultivate that grounding everyday joy that keeps you in check?
1: Well, this was a big one for me because obviously my, and also actually, can I just add, we need to say bits and bobs more because uh, that just made me feel quite soft when you said that. I was like, oh, that's cute. Um, this was my biggest challenge was learning to slow down and we can kid ourselves all day long that we don't have time. We, we say that so often in a day that actually we've probably lost half a fucking day just saying it. Exactly. So it's like, because I, I know how it felt, to live my life 100 miles per hour to other people's standards and I know it was restrictive for me and it felt uncomfortable and I felt like I was living other people's lives and not my own. I talk a lot about your best life has to be yours mm. and I remind myself of that every day. So what I do every day now to make sure that I get that time is with every single, and this is so basic, with every single task that I have to do in a day, I ask myself who, who am I doing it for? Mm. You know, if mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my God, I really must clean the bathrooms. Okay, is it because the bathrooms are really bothering me or is it because society says my bathroom has to be gleaming? I've seen the adverts. Mm-hmm. Is it because my husband might think that I'm lazy if I haven't cleaned the bathroom and he hasn't seen what I've done all day? Is it for mm-hmm. validation from other people to say, God, look, hasn't she got a shiny bathroom? Every single mundane task that I set myself in a day, I reference first who am I doing it for? Because I tell you what, if I'm not doing it, for, for the benefit of my life first, then I'm fucking doing it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. I have spent like four, two years of this life that was given to me trying to please other people and trying to fit in with a society that isn't actually even on my wavelength. Now that's two years of my life that I ain't getting back. Yeah. So for me now, I am the queen of my day. I decide how I spend my day. And listen, this can sound really flippant, especially for women who have got small children. Let me just say, it ain't always been like this. Yeah. I was sat on a Tesco's checkout at 4am uh, when, I, when I was raising my small people. So yeah. I totally get that. But choose when, whatever you're doing through your day. Look at every task that you're doing and thinking, how important to me is this task? Is it more important to me than having that 10 minutes time where I stop? Mm. And if it's really not, if you feel much better having the 10 minutes and cleaning the toilet, my darling, go ahead and you take those 10 minutes and you indulge yourself deeply. Because if you can't factor you into your day, then it's not even your day.
0: And listen, being a martyr doesn't serve anyone.
1: Oh, God, no. There's no pride at the end of this. No. There's no pride. Oh, my God, my husband said a great line last night. We're all on the same list. We're all on the same list, regardless of who you are, where you're standing, what Mm. race, what culture, what class, everything. We are all on the same list and we all end the same. This is not a popularity contest. This is a, I'm going to give you this gift of life. What do you want to do with it?
0: Mm.
1: You know, I don't want to do it the The same same as she's doing it, just because because that's the the way way she's doing it. it.
0: Oh, gosh, exactly. And I think sometimes... sometimes... our overuse of social media can really forget, really make us forget what our own stuff is and we're just absorbing so much shit. We don't know which is ours and which is somebody else's. That's That's
1: what I was talking talking about about on the event on Saturday, Saturday, talking talking about about your last firstly I've got far too many slogan t-shirts than any one woman needs due to influence um I'm watching Netflix that programs that I have no fucking interest in and I'm reading books that bore me all off the back of seeing other people do these things yeah so again I urge you when you pick up that book if it's not dragging you in on the first 50 pages that's not your book babe yeah, if that if that uh, Netflix don't binge on that Netflix show that it's just not even lighting you up. Mm. Don't waste your time on no. it. Don't wear clothes no. that someone says will make you look cool if you don't feel cool in them.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um... Oh gosh, I want to talk about that more, but I'm going to I'm going to shift. You talked about you just mentioned about um, small children, and I think that you know we we do have to be honest. If you've got a baby, you're not going to have the same time to cultivate everyday joy as you are if you've got an 11 year old because you know it's it's very different. Um, and you've talked openly. I'm really sorry about this echo, guys, but so lovely um you've talked openly about the boundless love you have for your children but also the total consumption of parenting Mm. how do you reconcile the two do you know
1: what this took me some time I um I probably figured this out about last year and my oldest son is 22 now so this has been going on a long time Uh, especially when you are in the trenches with the kids like when uh, so I had what did I have eight five and one at the, at one, so that kind of age gaps between my first three, so I was in the trenches with three of them and um it's very hard i, I just just you know what I walked out of my first marriage because I hated the situation so much um and I could never and I always thought it was him, and I blamed him just because I needed to escape, so I had to hate him because mm-hmm. I needed to escape, I hated what my life had become, I hated. The daily challenge, the responsibility was taking me down. Mm. And one of the reasons that I left my husband was thinking, "Oh my God, I'll get every other weekend off." It was a selling point for me. Yeah, yeah. it backfired because then he said, "No, I'm having them half their life half their so half the week." And you, you know, so I was like, "Shit, I wasn't ready for that." That yeah. was a bit of a, a worked out for the best, but um, I couldn't ever identified what it was that I hated I just fucking hated everything yeah. yeah so he got the bullet because I couldn't fire it at the kids obviously mm-hmm. and I this conflict of having this absolute hatred for every day of my life and then look at these children who were part of me part of my heart. Mm -hmm. This conflict. And I think with a lot of mothers, this is what the problem is, is this conflict of this not understanding how and beating yourself up more because how can I fucking feel this when I look at them and I just want to melt? How can this how can I carry these two emotions so closely together? And how can I try and unpick them and identify what it is I'm feeling? And then I think now that I've got the space because my older children are older and I've got the space to reflect And my children have become adults and I can see the end of my journey with them. Like that's what I created. Yeah. Now it's on them. Um, I realized that what it was, was I hated the role of mother. And when, as soon as I said something, the guilt that that lifted was like, I don't hate my kids. The very fact that my kids are still here and they are happy and healthy and well-rounded to a degree as any human is. (laughs) Um, You know, we've always got a little bit of room for movement. Um, proves how much I love those human beings because despite the fact that I hated every single thing that came with the role of mother, Mm. i done my very best for
0: those people. Um, Thank you so much for saying that. Because there are people that feel that way, but because of the judgment, because we're supposed to be these ethereal, nurturing, maternal creatures, sometimes we're scared to say... I love my children, but the role of mother is absolutely draining. It's awful,
1: yeah. And it comes back to being filter-free, Tamu, in that, you know, when we look at the the box fit of mother, if every single mother in the world fitted that personality type or had the same needs and the same wants so that she lived in this role, this box-type role of mother... (laughs) <laughs> what sort of fucking world have we got? We've got, we've got our clones, we've got, got robots. It's weird... Stepford Wives. Yes, yeah. It's, not re- it's, it's really unrealistic to mm. expect every woman that bears a child to become that role mother mm. because we've all got different wants and needs in life mm. and the box top mother doesn't fit every single woman's personality. And for yeah. me, what I now know is that my, one of my most basic needs is freedom, And motherhood is the antidote to freedom. Yeah. So no wonder I was in such torment that my most basic need is saying, get out of here, get out of here, we need freedom.
0: Mm. But
1: my, you know, my new role was saying to me, "You, you ain't going nowhere, sweetheart. This is life now. It caused a real conflict for me. And... And the, the biggest conflict was, oh, my God, this means I don't love my children. And I mean, how many women start the, say the sentence, you know, I really love my children, but... Mm-hmm. And whenever a woman says that to me, I say, please do not caveat that sentence with, but I love my children, mm-hmm. because you're, I can look at your children and I can see how much you love them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not up for question mm-hmm. at all. Um, but we've got this need to justify the fact that we think it's shit. If you went for any other job... Any other job in the world, you get interviewed, you go. If it felt like that, you would leave and find another job. With motherhood, you don't have that option. So you really are living in some kind of torment. And whilst I totally understand that not every woman have children or are going through a hard process, I'm very personally close to me. I've watched IVF and I know that it's hell on earth. Yeah. Um, but it, it flips both ways. You know, the grass is never greener. No, it's, just, it's not days and I think this this falsehood of motherhood is the answer to everything is not always true for everyone and
0: that's okay it's not and I think that um for me generally I love motherhood but I can generally love motherhood because I make sure that I have time just to be me yeah if I don't have the time just to be me then I resent motherhood yeah and something else um When I was working in child protection social work, there would be lists upon lists about all the things that parents had to do to make sure that their children's basic needs were being met. Mm -hmm. And I would always, always be advocating for the parents engaging in things that made sure their needs were met, because if your needs aren't met, you can't meet anybody else's.
1: Exactly that. And something that's really interesting is that I'm mothering again now with my my now husband. We've got a six-year-old. So I've, I, I'm have i kind of like mothering in two shifts and two, two different lives, if you will, because yeah. now I'm mothering what feels like an only child. Yeah. So I've got this abundance of time for him and patience for him. And I've done all this work on myself. So... That's another layer to it that, yeah. you know, that I'm bringing to motherhood. And the fact that I've dropped the guilt around the fact that I don't enjoy the role. Yeah. And the fact that, like you said, I make sure that I have my time every day. Because for me to continue to do this job that is so... Un, not, people pull me up and say, it's not unnatural to you, Lauren, because you are natural doing it. But that feels so um, in contrast to what my basic needs are asking... Um, for me to be able to do it and sustain it this time around without leaving my husband and running for the heels, it's really important that I apply all of those things, everything that I've learned, and um, mother from a place where it's m- my version of motherhood, yes. not what's expected of me as yes. a mother. Because my version of motherhood does it. Like, he goes to school and, you know, I, he goes on the iPad and some of the mums are like, oh, my, my kid doesn't even have an iPad. That's fine. Exactly. That's your version of motherhood. That's perfect. But do you know what my kid does? And yeah. that's my version of motherhood. Yeah. So we're not in competition here. Exactly. It's just different versions of the same
0: job. Also, Lauren. Yes, both. Your version of motherhood doesn't include a tumble dryer. I don't, I don't have, have a tumble. tumble- I've never owned a tumble dryer. tumble dryer. What the what? <laughs>
1: do you know what? I don't even do ironing. I'm just. Oh, oh I don't
0: do ironing. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah,
1: no, I don't have a tumble dryer. No, I don't know why. I've got one of these very old-fashioned ideas that it's really cost um, cost costs a lot, costs a lot, and that it's really damaging on the environment. And and also you've got to have somewhere to let the heat out. And just like it seems like too much of a ball ache to me. I'm just like. It does
0: do all of those things, but also we live in a country where a lot of the time the weather conditions mean that clothes will have to be outside for a bloody and also I forget stuff, man. Like you know this thing about choosing where you're going to expend your energy? Sometimes I expend my energy lying down, staring at the ceiling, and forget so do you i, need I a don't tumble even dryer. have a
1: line outside there you go another one for you. another little mind blown. what i don't have a line outside i have errors in my house and they don't bother me at all i don't give a shit that i've got clothes hanging in my house it's my house <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like I, it's not a show home we live here and our clothes need to dry so i put them on an error
0: <laughs> on all the parenting things that i read about you the tumble dryer <laughs> is the one that got me really <laughs> yeah
1: that I fucking hate it on the daily <laughs> just I don't have a tumble drive <laughs> yes <laughs> no I don't mind clothes hanging around my house I know some people it's a real bugbear but it doesn't bother me at all it never has I've never had one yeah. even when I had the three kids actually even when we had six kids because when I met my husband he's got two children and they lived with us half the week because he had the same arrangements as yeah. me it's a very modern world we're living in it is indeed and, um, so, so at most points, points we would have six children age ranging from 16 down to one And I still didn't have a tumble drive, Tamu. I mean... If you can see the
0: look on my face right now. (laughs) (laughs) Shock, shock, horror, horror. I
1: know. Amazing,
0: right? Okay, Lauren, the other area that I want to go with you today is ageing. Oh, man. I love this. Well, because... um, I was very intentional in this brand that I really want to be speaking to women in their late 30s and 40s because I think that we were sold this mythical idea about what 40s means and also um, ageing. So the first thing I want to pick up with you is um, I read a blog of yours. I think it was on uh, Selfish Mother where you were talking about fortnightly dyeing your hair to cover the greys and you don't do that anymore
1: why oh no do you know what what? i've got a new hashtag tamu yes it's glowing old oh oh, i saw that i loved it i'm glowing old babe do you know why because again why was i dyeing my hair um because everybody else does I hated it, I hated that I, I had these chemicals on my head, it got to the point, my whites were so resistant, that it was, I was doing it every two weeks, it was ridiculous, and I'd be grudged doing it, I was angry doing it, and then I'm just like, what, right, Lauren, okay, how offended are you by grey hair? Oh, actually, I'm not really that offended at all, I don't, nobody else offends me with grey hair, okay, so why are you covering your greys? Well, because that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm not allowed to get old, am I, and then spend more money on face creams and all this other crap, and... I just—it was that moment again where I just thought, no. Do you know what? Life is a journey. I'm really starting to see my life as a book folding out. Not that yeah. like I'm going to write a book about my life, but I'm starting to watch it as a kind of experiment. And I've got to the point now where this is the next stage. This is this is another experiment for me to feel and get on board with. And I'm actually quite excited because mm. I've done the young kids thing. I've done the divorce thing. I'm not planning on doing that again. Good, um, good. Yeah, I'm kind of over that now, three times in. Um, I, I feel like I've done all those things that are expected in those age brackets. So now I'm in my 40s. I'm 44. Um, I've just done a piece in Woman's Own about this is my best decade yet, which it absolutely is. And I think a lot of women feel that by the time they hit early 40s, things are starting to fall into place for them. So this is yeah. quite a defining time. Yeah. Yeah. So, God, don't I want to live like the rest of my life? experimenting with what this part of my life feels like exactly. what does it feel like to, I don't want to get to 80 and think god what would it have felt like to actually have gone through that process of growing old yeah and, and it's, it's a it's, it's it? a privilege it's, it's such, such a, privilege. a privilege you know like I've, I've heard I some, some terrible news this week um about a young boy and Uh, at the talk we gave on Saturday, Susie Ashworth was also speaking, and she was speaking about the loss of her foster parents when she was, like, Mm 19. Wide-eyed mummy, Shireen Bryan, was speaking, and she spoke about the loss of her dad when she was 12. And I just think, who the fuck are we to deny this gift that we have? And I know it sounds cliched, and I would have laughed it off 10 years ago, but who are we to say... You know, I shouldn't embrace this gift that I've got and all that it brings. And for me, it's bringing grey. And actually, I've got a wicked grey streak. which I know. I bloody love it, Tamu. People
0: pay for that.
1: I know, right? I mean, it has come at a good time for me where people are paying to dye their hair grey. So I'm kind of like still in there with style stakes. But... I'm, I'm just, just embracing, embracing it all now because, because like, like I said it. I've got curious and I want to know what it feels like to age naturally exactly
0: and oh my gosh this is about the next thing that is in my mind to ask you we talk all the like people will say to me oh my gosh I can't believe you're 41 we talk about oh my gosh she looks great for 60 whatever yeah do we even know what those things really no. really look like we've been so focused on youth and cultivating this endless youth and oh doing whatever and you know do what you want to do I'm not saying this with any judgment but I do think that the need for us so I think for example if you like moisturizer if Mm -hmm. you use it what it would be so lovely if you just looked for something that was nourishing and met those needs but people oh I want this because it's got retinol whatever I want that because it's got whatever whatever because you're trying to put that filter of youth when it Mm -hmm. no longer belongs to you it's not yours anymore. No, no, exactly. You can be for
1: to the youth. The yeah. sad thing is, is that you've got twenty-year-olds injecting themselves with Botox. And yeah. again, it's not a judgment thing. This is a, a maternal thing from yeah. a woman's hates motherhood. But like, <laughs> oh God, my darling, please don't feel that you need to do that because I don't believe you're doing that for you. Mm-hmm. My daughter is fourteen. She's asked me, "Can she have um, false eyelashes put on? You know, like the extensions." Yes. yes. 25 quid a month right and I said to her Darcy I just really want to ask you why what is your purpose for doing this is this because you want to do this of course she's 14 and she's hating her mum right now so it was like yeah why do you have to do this yeah. question me on everything yeah she's really trying to rebel me at the moment it's really I tell you what teenage daughters are harder than teenage boys I've got to say oh
0: really I'm oh, sorry gosh. yes Great. um
1: but she, she's at 14 already going willing to pay £25 a month to someone else to stick fucking hair onto her eyelids. Mm. I mean, yes. it's we're it, and not just oh my god, I can talk about this all day long. The beauty of us is our uniqueness, there's no two ways about that. Mm. The beauty of us is our uniqueness, it is not wearing the same face as the girl stood next to you. That is not what your beauty is, your beauty is you. And I don't know how long we're gonna have this fight and I really hope it's coming to an end at some point because I feel like it's reached a bit of a crescendo with
0: the It's hurt, really you know. beautiful that you're leading by example though, because there are some parents, um somebody was writing somebody wrote something on Facebook about what not to say to your daughter or girls in your life, like don't comment them, don't um praise them about their looks and whatever mm. else focus on you know their personal attributes, how clever they are, kind, compassionate, all that sort of stuff, which mm-hmm. I hear totally. But I also know that this is a woman who will constantly talk about, oh gosh, I put on weight. This yes. is a woman that will constantly say, oh, I've been really naughty. I've had a dessert in the presence of her child. Yeah, and I think it's really important that we are more mindful. And I'm I'm not saying that you have to um, censor yourself all the time, but part of the reason that we do this eternal youth thing I think is because we haven't really been given any role models and templates for us to think oh that's that's what it looks like okay exactly our messaging is so
1: powerful for our, to our children yeah um an example of this is um I gave up drinking on the 28th of December last year I have been drinking for about 13 years every day um Main probably up to if not a bottle of wine a day mm-hmm. more at weekends, um, and so then my son started smoking weed, mm-hmm. and I was devastated and I was distraught and I was disappointed and I was judgmental Mm -hmm. and my son's very deep he's very like me so like me and um says it how it is and he's also very deep and he uh, so we had the conversation he was like how dare you judge me and be disappointed in me when for the majority of my childhood I've watched you self-medicate every day
0: yeah Mm yeah Okay, but drinking, <laughs> <laughs> these empowered even the wine empowered, wine. Even lateral the wine thinking wine. children that we raise yeah. often teach us our most valuable lessons.
1: Absolutely, and they're really hard to hear because you don't want to be told by your kid. No. But, but. but he had a bloody good point, actually. And the, obviously, when I was drinking, it wasn't intentional or i didn't there's no way i thought that it would damage not damage them that's a big word but yeah. would be um, influencing them in any yeah. kind of way but actually when they heard me saying oh Mummy deserves this or you know in jest even oh my god i've earned this or oh it's wine time Mummy wine time or or even all these books that are like why do you think Mummy drinks gin you're basically telling your kid that they've, they've put you on that track yeah. and that's a message in itself it's like wow, what are we telling our children that I have to drink because of you? Like the messaging around, per, yeah. around our everyday lives that we're doing completely unconsciously, yeah. the messaging is still getting through. So we have to lead by example. Indeed. They yeah. don't want to hear the lessons, obviously. Like my daughter doesn't give a shit that I've gone grey. She just thinks, well, you, you live yours, babe, and I'll live mine. And I get that because she's 14. But yeah. hopefully on some level it will be, you know, all the work that I'm doing will be sinking in somewhere absorbed I guess it will because again it's the messaging isn't exactly. it exactly
0: it definitely does without a shadow of a doubt even if you're going to see it when she's 21 or yeah. you know 25 it, it definitely definitely does and can um, I just
1: say on yeah, that note saying, saying that it saying will come, come out and in the end. end that my son now I got my first text message from him the other day and it was the first time he ever said to me you are an inspiring human mm. um and we've
0: yeah,
1: and been, been to hell and back my son me and him have been to hell and back so it does, does come back it does yeah it does
0: oh man um what is the most or what are some of the most beautiful things apart from your awesome gray streak that you have gained with aging um
1: knowledge obviously Mm -hmm. an understanding of myself that, I, think I think that, that comes, comes to most to people, people through age in any way. But I think, I think the more the curious you are, obviously, the more you're going to learn about mm-hmm. yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I have got a whole new respect for time and, mm-hmm. and life in general. I think I was very blase about it. And I think we, we all, when we're younger, think that it's never going to end and that, you know, we're going to go on forever and we're infallible and all this. Yeah. But actually, every day is a gift every single day and, and the older you get and obviously the closer you get to it, it all coming to its end mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have to I have to appreciate everything in every day not everything something is shit I'll, yeah, I'll never yeah, appreciate it. Jeremy Kyle but um, <laughs> you know I try I, I make it a conscious decision that I will appreciate something in every day and yeah. I think that's come from age and knowing that wow I'm on this road who knows where, where it's, it's going to end. end let's just, just take what I can, can for then. now
0: yeah yeah
1: certainly.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We we're, we're drawing towards not that I <laughs> want it to, but you know, we we've got stuff outside of chatting and having We've a, covered a lot of ground. Yeah. I just want to ask you one more thing mm-hmm. and then I want to te- I want you to tell us about some stuff you've got coming up. Something that I read sort of literally just before we started this call was that you had written something about feeling guilty because you're comfortable and other people are struggling. Oh, I
1: know what you're talking about. Is this my little rant on Instagram stories about I won't feel guilty for being middle class and having privilege, which is a dangerous word. I'm I'm actually scared to say the word privilege in any context because I'm very aware of how loaded that word is and I'm very aware that I don't know enough about it
0: well it wasn 't that actually, but that 's very oh, really okay. interesting um it was um It was a blog post that you had written somewhere, sorry, I inhaled quite a few of them, so i can 't remember which one it was. but you did write and I picked that up because I see because on social media lots of people are to be quite frank um It's going to sound like this is a very loaded word, but I'm going to use it because lots of people are jealous and judgmental of influencers on social media. People make all sorts of assumptions about the lives they're living. So you get people on the other end wanting to share because we have become... Um, accustomed to sharing on social media, but feeling like they have to justify what they're sharing. So, for example, just the other day, my friend Evadne was talking about going to the Bahamas for her tenth anniversary, and she was apologising, saying that she's going to share pictures because she wants to, Aww. and she was saying, I've, "I've really earned this. I haven't had a holiday for the past three years. We have saved it's our holiday." And I just thought, "Girl, get out there, take the best, take the best island girl, girl pictures, picture. and if you best life but we have come because there's been quite a lot of backlash against those that appear to have those of us that are working well I'm not even going to say working hard because again that's loaded but there are lots of us that feel like we've got to justify enjoying life it's like we've been sold this story that life is struggle and woe so for us to be showing something different we've got to couch it in saying but I've worked really hard or I haven't had it for such a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The thing is with this with me
1: is it's, it does happen far too often. Um, and in all honesty, I've been guilty of it in the past. I did have a bit of a rant about influencers, but I sat back and I checked myself and actually a lot of the stuff was about around me, mm-hmm. not them. Um, and I did go on and publicly apologise and I've made some really good connections with some lovely influencers over on Instagram, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you... It's not about the lifestyle, it's about the person. You could have someone who's got nothing but choosing to, to feel that they've got everything. Um, it's about your, 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 your own mentality. Like you can sit there and, I mean, I could sit here all day long and I was beaten up by my husband and my mum never loved me and, you know, everything's shit and, you know, worries is me. But I don't want to sit and feel like that. I want to say, you know what, I'm going to make the best with what I've got right now. And a lot of what I do in my mentoring is say, I'm going to help you step into the best version of the life that you have. Mm -hmm. Because we're not all going to win the lottery. We are not all going to be millionaires. We are not all going to be holidaying in the Bahamas. And whilst that can sting for some people, you've still got a life Look inside your life and see how you can change it so that your perspective on your own life shifts, stop looking at her in the Bahamas. Um, with regards to, I can't remember the blog you're talking about, the guilty one, I don't, I don't remember that is, but what I'm thinking, I've written a lot of shit, Tamar. <laughs> I
0: know, <laughs> I, know what I saw. Name.
1: But I have got a nice life now, if we're going to go financially. I have a nice life financially, yes, I do. But I also know I give a shit tonne away to charity. Yeah. I also know that I'm trying to put my good back into the world. I also know that a lot of what I have has come because of what I've done, Um, because I didn't just sit there and be um, in victim mode, because I did say I want more, I'm going to get more, not financially, but because I don't hold anything on money. It's really hard for me to not sound really condescending and ungrateful, which I'm not either of those things. But... Stop looking at everybody holidaying in the Bahamas and what one thing can you do to make your life look better today? And it could be, and I do this a hell of a lot, choose your favorite mug for a cup of tea. Mm. I bloody love a nice mug. I love a nice mug. Um, yeah, it's tough because I think some people just are always going to be jealous. Yeah. They're just, some people are just built like that. You know, yeah, it's the diversity of life, isn't it? Yeah, indeed, and it's not, if you're the woman going to the Bahamas and you feel bad, don't feel bad sharing your photos because that's your life story and that's theirs. And, exactly. you know, unfortunately we can't, I don't know, you can't, not everybody's going to have it all, are they? Yeah, no, indeed. But if you if you do have a lot and you are feeling shit having a lot, put some back for sure. Yeah. I definitely justify it in my head that, well, I'm raising all this money for women that, that takes a lot of the, the guilt off, off, but oh, I yeah. can't feel guilty that I've fallen into this life. One thing I did say on that live that I was referring to on my stories mm-hmm. was it, it was, was about, about middle class because middle class influencers were getting a lot of flack. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I had felt guilty all day long thinking, oh God, I'm not going to say anything on this topic because I, I do have a middle class life and I don't want to speak out, shut down. And then by that evening, I just went off on Instagram stories and just said, you know what, I'm not going to feel guilty for the life I've got because, <clears throat> sorry, I had a lovely middle-class life. I had those lovely holidays. I was posting the photos, but my husband was beating me up. Mm.
0: We're
1: not exempt. Anybody, whatever you holiday or whatever your lifestyle is or class you're in, you're not exempt from feeling, you know, like um, feather in the empty nest, lost her son Teddy. She's got a yeah. beautiful life. Her Instagram feed is stunning. Her yes. house is gorgeous. My yeah. God, if I had her style, all of that. Yes. But she buried a child. Gosh. You know, and yeah. she messaged me after my rant and said, thank you so much for saying that because if I could have my teddy back, I would jack this all in. Yeah,
0: we don't and know course, what we're doing. We
1: you know, it's like, look at the whole picture. She might be in the Bahamas, but she might have just gone through something horrific.
0: Exactly. And, and quite frankly... You know, I say this all the time, but it's not your business. No. Oh, I love that one. Mind your
1: Yeah, that's right. I'm
0: going to mind my
1: own business because that's where I need Literally. to be. But okay. yeah, it's the judgment thing, and I think don't don't feel guilty because exactly. you know you're not exempt from life. Exactly, you're still going to have challenges and stuff.
0: Oh, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. could you you talked about books that aren't as you know books that are quote-unquote easy to read um yeah could you could you give us you, you talked about the gift of imperfection by Brene Brown yeah, um absolutely. could you give us a couple of more books that you think may be of
1: use um I absolutely love the self-care revolution by Susie Redding mainly because <clears throat> again I've got such a low concentration <laughs> levels and there's a lot of graphics in it and charts and stuff so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really really easy read but she makes a beautiful point about um how self-care isn't selfish and how it's essential to our well-being and all that she just just puts puts it across so perfectly that I defy anyone to feel that they shouldn't be implementing some level of self-care so that one the self-care revolution for sure Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just just looking looking around on my bookshelf and obviously Oprah what I know for sure yeah she knows some shit get her on on your bookcase. Um, and not much self-help, self-help as in um, strategizing how to create the change, but for every woman who feels like she's alone in her challenges, aside from my book, obviously, um, the Lily Allen, my thoughts exactly, her book that she's just launched is incredible. I read it in about three days. It's an easy read, big font, love all that. Um, but you read it feeling like she's your best friend and that you're not alone.
0: I and heard I, a clip um, of that and it was really interesting, somebody that I've conjured up an image about because she was a pop star and fame and all of that stuff, who spent a lot of time feeling like an outside, outsider within her yeah, own family.
1: Absolutely. She yeah. was neglected as a child, which mm-hmm. I believe the is. I wasn't physically neglected, I was emotionally neglected. Mm-hmm. Um she She went went off the the rails which I totally resonate resonate. and I'm I'm sure sure not everyone will resonate with it it, but if if you want to to, if you feel like you're alone even if you're not having challenges and you haven't got that friendship where it goes deep that book will give you that for sure Mm. Um, the the music industry is disgusting Mm -hmm. judging by her and Mm -hmm. what I love about her is that she said openly you know this may not be how everyone perceived that period of time but these are my thoughts and they are valid and I think that message is so strong like because my mum, when I talk about my relationship with my mum, it's just going off on a quick tangent here, um, she doesn't re- re- remember it the way that I remembered it, and that's okay. Yeah, My memories of my childhood are not the same as her memories of my childhood, and that's okay. Yeah, It's still valid. We've both still got valid thoughts. So that, for that book, um, it's just a really good book, I think, for women to feel connection and, yeah, that... That this is what even for pop stars, this is what life looks yeah, like.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Um, and could you please tell us about stuff you have coming up? Well, do you know do you what? what? I'm a bit of
1: a um last minute dot com in that <laughs> I don't really know until it comes. But what I do know for sure, Oprah, is yes. um I've got an event on the 9th of October. I don't know when this is going out, but that, that's coming up, which is a woman's
0: event. On the event 9th of October, night, darling, no, Sorry, it's 9th November.
1: of November. Oh, yeah, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> 9th of November. Um, and that's going to be an amazing woman's only event. I've got some fantastic speakers, and all the profits are going to uh, safer places, like I said. Um I I do these little crazy things where I collect stuff like you'll see I just collected a load of knickers for the women in Malawi yes. in the poorest rural communities and we got 20,000 kilos of pants
0: freaking out
1: I know right we got a lot of pants they're already they're already in Malawi and the women are and what they do for love support unite what they do is they make them an initiative so the women have to sign up onto a course to get the pants because it empowers them further. Yeah. If they just gave out and threw pants around, it disempowers women yeah. to, to do anything. So they use them as a kind of bargaining tool, which I think is incredible. Yeah. They get women onto educational programs or they get mother's help and support and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so my next big one, I think, is going to be, um, there's a new initiative called the Hygiene Bag, and it's for, like food banks, but it's collecting personal um, products for homeless people. So I think I'm going to go in the same vein and I'm going to collect sanitary protection and um, hygiene products for homeless women. And what I do is I put on a coffee morning where everybody's welcome for free and all you need to do is bring an item of something that could go into the box that will then be stripped out. Have 100%. you got a date for that? I'd love to go. No, to that. This was, was yesterday. yesterday. Oh. <laughs> that's what I meant. Like, literally, anything that sparks my. They commented on a post on my Instagram. I looked them up. I thought it was an amazing initiative. Uh, I, so now I'm going to put on a coffee morning. That's kind of how I work. I don't have much strategy in place yeah. around. I get up and I see what I feel like doing that day. And that's the next. My next mission is going to be that for sure.
0: Right. I really. I really. I was thinking about something along those lines um so um I definitely would like to come to that yeah. um and aside from those things you have coming up where can we find you where can we engage further
1: um I'm on Instagram all my socials are at this Girls enough Instagram's got all the underscores because mm-hmm. ugh, you know yeah. um, I'm on Facebook and um, my website is thisgirlsenough.co.uk
0: I will make sure I've got links to that in your show notes. Thank you, my and darling. your book, Filter Free. Mm. Where can people get that?
1: You can get that on Amazon as a paperback or on Kindle, or you can get if you order it from my website. I write a little nice little message inside it as well. So. Okay,
0: so we'll be getting it from your website. Yeah, <laughs> that will be the best one, Lauren. Thank you so much for sharing so openly, so widely, and really being the epitome of filter free oh thank, thank you my darling thank I've you really really enjoyed speaking to you and you. Thank, thank you. you thank you thank you thanks thank you for listening to the 360 podcast we can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtags live 360 and everyday joy i hope to see you on my social media channel If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, rate and share this podcast wherever you're listening. 360 Conversations is produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time.